It does not feel like 9 a.m. to me. Oh man, so good to be with you, so good to just be a part of what God is doing and building at Relentless Church and throughout the country and the world, and, and we are in week three of this it factor, and I need to go back to last week on two things. One, I told you um, that we would um, give you the updated number for our men's retreat, right? So we're not trying to shame anybody. We're just trying to let you know you don't want to miss this. Men, October 28th and 29th, and last week at the time of the message, uh, we had nine uh, men signed up, and the last I checked last night, we were up to 17, man, so... We doubled in a week, but we still got like three weeks, and men, I know how some of you are. You're one day at a time, one week at a time. You're not looking ahead yet, so, so we would love to, to just keep doubling that number. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Uh, we, haven't, we had our first ever, we thought first of every year, first of many men's retreat in, our, uh, in October of 2019, and then we haven't had, uh, gotten to have one since, um, so this is going to be a big deal, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. The other thing I got to go, go back to from It Factor last week, if you were here, I opened the message with, um, you know, this, this idea of the beauty of no and a culture of yes. And um, I told you how me and my wife see that a little different, right? And I've told the story of when our kids were little and they'd ask for something and it just felt like a perfect situation to say no and give no hope. And she would say maybe and we'll see and how, you know, no is just a gift in those situations. So it was longer than that, but that's the basic uh, deal of it, right? So that was last Sunday morning, last Sunday afternoon, right? We're, we're at home, and I'm talking to my wife, Kelly, and I was like, okay, honestly, because I don't, I don't throw, under the, throw her under the bus from stage normally, right? Because um, she's awesome. She's just wrong on this one thing about saying no, right? So I said, honestly, Kel, like, what do you feel in that moment? Like, when they're asking, like, when they were little, and let's go, whatever, and, like, you know, why? Like, I think I'm, I'm not right on a lot. I like, I'm hardly ever. But, like, on this one, like, why, why can't you just say no? You know what she said? She said, honestly, like, when, when our kids are so excited about going somewhere or doing something, and, and, like, they're just so excited about the possibility, I just want to do everything I can to make that happen for them. Like, oh. That's a pretty good answer, right? It's like, maybe she had, maybe she had more going in that. Like, she, she was coming not from a place of weakness, of, you know, of, I'm not saying, she was coming from a place of, of love. And love can lead to both no and yes. See, the other side of that story that I didn't tell you is, is my three kids, when they were younger, and honestly, still today, if you ask them, like, who's the parent of no, it's an easy choice for them, right? They, they, they think I say no all the time. I don't say no all the time. I just say no more, right? And my philosophy is, if you say no a lot, when you do say yes, I mean, man, it's, it means something, right? You know, you kind of lower that bar, lower that bar, right? But here's, here's the point of all that for this morning is where we're going. You know, they... they um, at times, you know, maybe fairly, my kids would say, yeah, we, we got a dad, a dad of no. Well, there's a lot of folks that don't know Jesus that are in your lives. And honestly, there's probably a lot of folks that, are, that do know Jesus 
whose view of our Heavenly Father is a God of no. That's how, that's how he's been portrayed. That's how they've heard, or that maybe that's even how they feel like they've experienced. A God who just rules and knows and rules and knows. And the reality is that he is a God of yes. Right? But, but it's not, and it's not just, you know, culturally of God. It's also sometimes of us. If you call yourself a Christian, right, there, there, there's, there's a lot of folks that only know what Christians are against. Right? They don't know we're for anything. They don't know there's any yeses. They just think it's just this, all this no's and the long list of what we don't or this or that. And they don't know. Right? So, so there's this dynamic and this kind of competition between the no and the yes and the for and against. And as we'll see today, there really shouldn't be. There is no VS. There is no versus between the no and the yes. They're actually complementary. They're actually teammates. They actually work really well together. We're going to see that from our from our verse that we've been in from Titus 2 for this whole series, and we'll stay in. It started two weeks ago, 2.11, which says, it's on the screen for you, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's, that's the it. It's the grace of God. So we unpacked that. Um, we talked about that being the it. It's just this standing. It is, it is salvation, but it's so much more. Uh, we told you last week, we're pretty excited. Next week's baptism, Sunday. Come on. Um, you clap for anything. You got to clap for that. And we don't know, like, if it's both services or one service, or, or we know we got a handful of folks already that, are, that have made that decision and commitment um, and are just counting the hours and the days till they get to, and we get to witness that as a church. It's just that uh, we used to, you know, when we met at the theater, we have to do it out behind the theater. And when we came here, we used to do it in the lobby between services. And now we figured a way to, to do it and bring it in here. And we're super pumped about that next week. We're going to get to see people make this, this ultimate decision, right? So, so if you don't know, in, in Scripture, when you, when, when you receive this grace, this grace that's a gift that we can't earn, that we don't deserve, that all this stuff we're talking about, this standing, um, this, this offer of forgiveness and righteousness and holiness that Jesus accomplished for us, when, when you believe that and trust that and follow that and put your faith in that, then, then God gives us this beautiful picture of baptism, Right, this baptism of Jesus was on a cross. He was buried, right, and then he came alive. He defeated death, and everything was was all new. And, and now we get a chance to simulate that, illustrate that in in a burial in uh, death to self, new life in Christ. So we're gonna see that. But we, like I said, we already know some folks that are thinking about it, praying about it. We already know some folks that are committed. I'm in. I'm getting baptized October 16th. Here's our prayer. Our prayer is at 9 a.m. Uh, October 9th, that there's somebody in this room that came in here not really thinking about baptism, not really maybe even thinking about receiving the grace of God for the first time, but by, not by the brilliance of my message, but by the power of the gospel, by the end of our time together, God will have moved in your heart, in your mind, uh, and moved you to action to take a step towards him. And it's all going to be built on the it. What's the it? The it is the grace of God. This reality that again today, God looks at me, God looks at you if you belong to him. And he sees a son or a daughter. Right? That, that song we just sang, we'll cry. When I, when I one day see your face, we'll cry worthy. 
right? That moment, we try, to, we try to visualize that as part of how we're trying to live as forever focused people. We'll talk about that more next week. But when, when I think about that moment, when I'm over here singing that moment, and I'm, I, I, don't, I'm, I stand, a lot of times I'll be on the front row, sometimes I'm not, but I'm glad I was on the front row today because it was, it was one of those worship, right, man, I, there might have been some spit flying and some stuff, so I'm glad nobody was in, in front of me over here. But when, when I get to that lyric of, when I finally see your face, Right? That, that used to be, honestly, for a lot of my life, that was a moment I didn't want to think about, and it wasn't anything I was going to sing about, because I, I don't want to have that, like, you're a holy God, I know who I am, and it was just a fearful, oh my goodness, I don't, that's not a worship moment, but man, the more I understand the gospel and the it of the grace of God, there's no fear in that moment. He doesn't look at me and see my worst. He handled that, he took care of that, he removed the stain of sin forever. So now I wake up again today standing in that, in that grace, the grace of God. That's the it. Well, then last week, we took it to the next level, verse 12. This verse, it teaches us. What's it? The grace of God. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Right? So grace is a teacher. It's an instructor. Right? We're sitting in the classroom of grace. Grace wants to teach you something. He taught us something last week. He wants to teach you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He wants to teach us today as a church. And, you know, that, that part of the verse that starts with it, I actually, I went back to my student pastor days and I made up some, uh, I made up some actions. It's not, it's not sign language. So if you know sign language, you'll be super offended because it's just made up. It's, it's David language, right? It's not real sign language. But it helps me remember stuff. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show it to you, right? And then next week... We're going to stand up, we're going to do it together. So you've got to like practice all week to do the actions to this because our minds, God gave us minds. I think, I don't have proof, I think when Jesus was teaching, sometimes he would do stuff like this, right? So, so just not, not even the whole verse, just the it part, right? So it's I-T, and yeah, you get me? You got like a smooth right there. I-T, it teaches, what are we doing? I'm, I'm teaching you, I'm a teacher, I'm, I, it teaches us, to say no, right? That's, that's universal no. I think that is sign language, no, right? To say no to, to ungodliness, right? God, we talk about ungodliness. It's not atheistic. It's like I'm living my life as if he's not relevant, right? To say no to ungodliness and that's the action. I got to have it. Oh, worldly passions. Oh, oh, that's, the, that's my, that's my sign. Worldly passions, right? You don't have to make that face, but I'd love to see it next week, right? So it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Now, that's where we stopped last week with that, with that comma. Y'all going to do that next week? Are you laughing with me or at me? I'm not sure. We'll find out next week if you're with me. All right. So we, we ended on the comma, and now we get to the next three words. Look at them on the screen. And to live. So you got to remember the whole context, right? Even if you weren't here two weeks ago, that's fine. You can go catch that message, but, but you've, you've already heard enough to kind of be with us. It's talking about the grace of God, what Jesus did for us to take in our place, what he accomplished on the cross with his resurrection, the point of life and your existence. You've been bought, ransomed, and won. That, and he didn't, you didn't deserve it. He didn't do it because he liked you, because you behaved well, because you came to church. He did it because he loves us, for, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, and he offers us this beautiful relationship and standing and righteousness, all that. The grace of God, what does it do? It teaches us to say no. And now we can start this verse by, by bringing 
the, the other verse and we could actually say it that the grace of God it the it factor it teaches us now to live it teaches us to live in a certain way it teaches us to say yes to some things right if all we have to offer to the world <laughs> if all we have to offer to each other is say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and we if you don't understand like what we mean by that we unpacked all that last week but if that's all we if that's the end of the message if that's the end of the series hey jesus loves you say no to stuff that he wants you to say no to Right? That's true, and there's good in that, but my goodness, we got to get past the comma. we got to let the world know that it's not suffering only to follow Jesus. The stuff he calls us to say no to is for our good and for our best, but it's not, that's not the end of the story. What do I do in my life? Well, sometimes people hear this message. We don't know what to do with your life. We just know what not to do. Is that compelling to you? Is that motivational? Does that make you want to go live for Jesus this week? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but there's a list of stuff I know I'm not supposed to do, and my whole life is going to be about what not to do. Like, that's not Jesus, right? Sometimes we don't continue the verse. we got to go past the comma. Yes, it's, grace is our teacher. It's teaching us to say no, but it's also teaching us to live. This grace doesn't just save us. Right? We celebrate that. I'm glad you clapped for Baptism Sunday, right? Because when people make that decision to give their life to Jesus, and then we get to witness it and celebrate it together as a church and baptism, it's beautiful. But don't believe the lie that grace just did that. Grace just saves people, right? And then we're like, grace is the constant teacher. It is teaching. It changes us. It factor is the key to life. It teaches us to say no, and it teaches us to live. A certain way. And in this verse, that certain way, this life, the, what grace is going to teach you, and this is the beautiful thing, grace is the teacher, it's going to teach us all the same thing. Maybe get there a little different ways, but it's going to be a commonality of how it, what it's going to teach us to. A certain kind of life. And there's three words that mark it. They're on the screen. So grace is going to teach us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Woo! How come we don't clap for that, right? Don't fake it. It's too late now. You blew it. Here's the truth, and this ain't just you, right? This is church. This is me. We in general, and I'm growing in it, we in general don't get excited about self-controlled, upright, godly lives. In fact, if we're real honest, there's probably some of us as we see that verse and are you kind of excited about the yes and I got the no last week and now grace is going to teach me to live a certain way. Oh, I want this. And then you see those words. Some of you maybe, if you're honest, are like, oh, yeah, that probably should. All right, self-control, you got, yeah, that's, no, 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 no. We have got to flip the mental. We have got to embrace, these are not ugly words. These are not, well, they're, they're probably best, but they're, no, there is so much fruit. There's so much joy. There's so much peace. There's so much blessing. Like, those are more exciting words that have been on this screen in a long time. I'm telling you, if you live it, if you allow grace to teach you to it. Now, if you just try to look self-controlled, upright, and godly. Now, that's a whole nother ball game, right? That's where a lot of our pain and, and mess comes from in church and out of church. But that's not what it's talking about. It's about actually letting grace teach you. What, it, what again, how, what do you mean grace teach me? Let me make sure we understand. What I'm saying is we're starting our day, not just our Sunday. We're starting our day 
When we pray, when we go before God, when we open our eyes, we want one of our first thoughts to be, man, today again, you look at me and you see and you love me and you don't struggle to love me. I am forgiven. I am free. I am headed to heaven. I am belonging to you. You know my name. You know everything you, 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 there is to know me. And you have given me a gift that keeps on giving again today. I'm free. I'm chosen. I'm righteous. That reality is a teacher. What he's already accomplished for you teaches you to say no and now to live. Let's, let's look at these words. Self-controlled. All right? Self-control, right? We, we, we can have different opinions. Here's what we all know. It's ugly when you don't have it. Right? We see people, we call it acting out at sporting events, right? And it, it, it can be, right? I don't know if you're watching this game like me and my family was a few weeks ago. Crazy, awesome NFL game between Buffalo and Miami. And here's a grown man. I meant to look up how old he is, but he's, he's too old to do this. Problem was, it was a camera in the press box. This coach, uh, Buffalo, did something dumb at the end of the game, to, and the game ended. This is the offensive coordinator, um, and there's a little camera in the press box that somebody thankfully covers up after a few seconds because he's losing his mind. Here, if you didn't see it, I just want you to see what self-control doesn't look like. Check it out. that awesome we rewound that watched that like three times like man grown man just going full toddler tantrum right lack of self-control right i don't know that guy right we here here i had a bunch of jokes i was going to say about him but here's the problem right if 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 we all had our worst five seconds of rage on video right it'd be real humbling right and sometimes it's about something that doesn't matter as much as we act like it does. Sometimes it's different things. But that, that lack of self-control. So of the three words, this one's probably the hardest because this is such a word in our culture and what culture means when they say self-control is different than what Scripture means when it says self-control. You ever heard of um, the marshmallow experiment? Anybody ever heard of that? All right, psychology majors have heard of that. I, I didn't know much about it, but it's this crazy deal that like way back in the 70s, this, this doctor, psychologist, I don't know his title, um, but he invented this thing. And here's basically what it was. They would bring a, a, a kid in, like three, four, five-year-old kid, and they would sit him down at a table, and they would say, here's a marshmallow. You can eat it if you want, but I'm going to leave the room. And when I get back, if you haven't eaten it, I'm going to give you another marshmallow, and you can eat two. But if you eat it, then you don't get another one. That's it. It's gone. So whatever you want to do, that's your choice. Here's a marshmallow. I'm going to leave. And the, the, the person doing the study would leave for 15 minutes. Right? Then they would come back. If the marshmallow was eaten, then they sent them on. If it wasn't eaten, then they gave them another one. They could eat both. Right? Then, here's what's crazy. This dude tracked these kids for decades. Right? And then 20, 30, 40 years later, he came out with this study basically saying... Success in life can be determined by the marshmallow experiment. That kids that said no to eating the marshmallow and waited the 15 minutes to get two made more money, were healthier, and basically did better at life. Right? And then a lot of parents were like, oh no. 
I know my kids eating that marshmallow. There's one, you know, now there's been all these other studies and videos. It's really hilarious. There's one, I was watching these videos. I'm not going to show any of them. One of the girls, the little girl, she, she ate the marshmallow as the door was shutting, right? It's like, I ain't waiting, right? So it was really discouraging for like, oh man, this dumb little test tells me my kid's life is ruined. But then they kind of got underneath the study, looked at all the details. They started reproducing the study more scientifically and they found, you know, when they reproduce, and there's still, there's still like people out there in the world today that they're following to see if the marshmallow decision actually affects life. And what they realized is they weren't really, um, there was a very narrow study. They weren't doing simple things. Right? How hungry was the kid? It wasn't very diverse in, in ways of socioeconomic. What they were finding, uh, what they weren't factoring for, was there was some kids that had nothing to do with self-control. If they came from a poorer environment, when they interviewed and really got to the psychology of it, they found out what the kids were thinking. It wasn't that I can't control myself. It's that, hey, most times when adults promise me something, if I do something, they don't come through. So I'm going to take my one marshmallow now instead of the promised marshmallow that may or may not ever show up. Right? There was so much more to it. But long, long story short, now they've reproduced this, this study much more scientifically over the last 50 years. And the results of every study after that first one were there's really no bearing. We can't tell you anything about life outcome based on the marshmallow experiment. Whew. All right. That's, that's encouraging to parents, especially if you're a parent and you're thinking through your kid or kids and think, well, there ain't no way that one's waiting. There ain't no way that one's waiting. Here's, here's the point. Here's what all the, like there's a little difference in the studies. Here's what they all agreed on. Self-control, saying no to something that's right in front of you, it can be taught. It can be learned. It's not like left-handed, right-handed, you are what you are. Like you, you can be taught self-control. That's encouraging to us, but we have to know the difference this morning between the world's version of self-control and God's version. The world's version of self-control is just those exact literal words. Self, David controlling self. I'm going to teach myself, train myself, threaten myself, give myself rewards. I'm going to willpower, try myself to changing my habits. And that's not all bad or negative, but that's not what Scripture is talking about when it uses the phrase self control. What it's talking about is controlling the inner self from an outward source. It is, it is not the control of self coming from self. It is learning by being taught. Here we go. It factor. Grace is going to teach you, right? Some of you are like, I'm impulsive, right? I, I'm just impulsive. There's so many times if I list the top 10 things I wish I hadn't done, they were all stuff I regretted like five minutes later. But in that moment, I just do. I just take. I just say. I just post. That's just me. That's not just you, right? That's all of us in our sinful nature. But that impulsiveness, you can either try to habit your way out of it, or you can use power from an outside source to learn to teach you to control self. The fruit of the Spirit, if you're familiar, this is the Holy Spirit that lives in us. It lists love, patience, kindness, peace, self-control. That's how we know the Bible's talking about something different because it's a fruit of the Spirit of God in you. That means it's not you trying harder. It's the fruit of God living in you that produces self-control. And it teaches us to think in the moment. It teaches us to weigh consequences. It teaches us to not live impulsively. And that's good, right? How many of us have been hurt by other people's impulsive 
I just, I didn't think. I just did. I just went. I just put my foot on the pedal. I just did what they were doing. I just did what they told me to do. I just, how many of us have experienced pain because of other people's lack of self-control? So this self-control is not from me. It is something Grace is in his classroom. Grace is teaching me to have self-control. Second word is upright. All right, this is simple. This is just Grace is teaching me to, to do the right thing, as Spike Lee once said, right? It's just, it's my conduct. It's obedience. It's justice. It's rightness. It's rightness according to God. It's, it's speaking against injustice. It's part of the rightness of God. It's just being upright. It's simple stuff. It's little stuff. This, this, this story may turn out different. Let me be real. This story may have turned out different if I wasn't thinking and praying on these verses this last couple weeks. I was walking the dog in the park near our house, and uh, it was getting close to dark, and it was raining, right? And I'm walking along with, with we have two dogs. Um, don't ask me why. Um, and, and the young one, craziest one, his name's Hooper. Um, so I was walking Hooper, and, uh, and he did what dogs do in parks on walks, right? He dropped a deuce, cute little, little dog poop dump, right? So he, he did what he did, and he did it kind of off the beaten path. And I had the bags and stuff, but like I still haven't gotten used to that. Some of you dog lovers, like that's so normal for you. And I know you don't touch the poop, but it just seems so unnatural to put my hand in this bag and like I'm, I always look around, see if anybody's watching me. Like I'm picking up, I don't know if I, I don't think, I don't, I don't know if I think, maybe I do think I'm above that. I don't know. But I had the thought, you know what? No one's going to step in this most likely. It's tiny. It's raining. It'll be mush by tomorrow. Nobody else is coming out. It's almost dark, right? I think I'm just going to leave the poop, all right? Now, there's no verse that I'm aware of that would speak to that situation, except this, this includes, it's like, it's just the overall, like, what's right? The problem with if I don't do that is like, what if everybody else has the same laziness as I do? Now there's, there's poop everywhere now, and that's, that's cultural, right? You got to be careful, because in the first century, there was animals everywhere doing what they do, and, and I don't think anybody cared, but it's different. So, so the, the, the way I can serve my community, a small little tiny way, is to do what I did. Put my hand in the bag, pick up the poop, drop it in the thing, right? Just, just living right. Here, here's why that was a little bit of a thing for me, a temptation. Because nobody was going to ever know. Right? A lot of this word that grace is going to teach you to be upright, a lot of the uprightness is at your job, in your relationship, those moments where you can lie and it's going to benefit you to lie and no one's ever going to call you on it. It's not going to be cost you your job. It's not going to cost... Like you can get away with doing the wrong thing. And grace is living for an audience that isn't human. Grace is going to teach you. I thought grace just saved me and now I can do what I want to do. You don't understand grace. Grace is patient and kind, but it's going to teach you. It's going to change you in a way that's permanent. It's going to change you in a way that's real and lasting. And it's going to teach you to live self-controlled, upright. Right? Just doing the right thing. If, if y'all would have known me, uh, and none of you, well, that's not true. My mother and father-in-law are in the back row. Dog! Uh, I was going to say, if y'all would have known me as a teenager, but now... Now I've got to completely change this story. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, if y'all would have known me as a kid, and I think they would back me up on this, right? I was likable, right? We had a great church and a great, it was, it was I had great parents, and um, in a lot of ways, I had a, a great life. I came to Christ as a kid, and it was real, and 
Um, man, I was trying to learn how to follow him. When I look back on my middle school days and high school days, my, my, one of my biggest flaws was, was how I treated people. Right? I was good to you if you were my friend, um, but I had, uh, I had a pretty sharp tongue and a, maybe somewhat of a quick wit. And in, in that stage of life, if you were, um, you know, an easy target, then I would go all in. I was very willing to hurt your feelings in order to get a laugh from my friends or from whoever. And I didn't even think about it, right? And then as, as I'm growing in Christ and, and slowly kind of figuring out life, I start to feel this something that's, that's foreign to me of like, and that's not right. That's wrong. Like this these kids, you know, they're just picking on weaknesses or just looking for opportunities, just whatever. We'd have all kinds of names for me now, right? And that we didn't, we didn't have all that back then. But God started to, like, help me see people through his eyes a little bit. And then, then I, I didn't really change how I live, but I started feeling really bad, right? So I remember, uh, like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade. I remember walking home from the bus and just being like, man, I shouldn't have said that to her on the bus. Or man, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I got, I got to do better. Like, that's not, that's not okay, right? And just kind of disappointing myself. I'm going to do better, right? And then, and then having a good day and feeling good about myself. Like, man, I didn't make fun of anybody. I didn't make anybody cry today. This is a good day, right? And then a few days later, it's like, oh, man, I couldn't help. I didn't even, really, I don't even, I'm just replaying. I, you know, and just like, this is over gradual. I get into high school and you know, eventually, it's like, man, I, I'm, I gotta change. Like, this is this is not okay, right? So, so I gotta, I gotta do better, and I did. I slowly got better, but I would still like two steps forward, one step back, and it was frustrating, right? Because I'm like, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm never gonna make fun of that kid again. I'm never gonna, I'm never like, God, I'm sorry. I'm never gonna do that again, and I meant it. And then I do it again three days later, three weeks later, whatever. You know what I didn't know? You know why, why? It's always a process, right? It's always a process. But that process took years longer than it could have. You know why? I didn't know grace as a teacher. I knew grace as a savior. I belong to God. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Sweet. I, wasn't, no, I, I didn't know that grace was a classroom and it's going to teach me to see people from God's eyes. I wasn't I thought like that was over, like that was a step and I completed the course and grace and now, yeah, I need to do better. And I felt a conviction like you are, right? I'm talking about pooping, dog poop in parks. I'm talking about me being a jerk teenager. There's much more today issues that you know what they are right now in your heart. You know that God is saying, that's not right. That's not who I created you to be. That's not how you're supposed to be living or acting. You know what that is. But maybe you're like me, and just wanting it to go away is really frustrating. There's no power in just wanting it to go. I had the right heart, and then I'm not okay with this behavior in me. What I didn't have was the tools to believe that Jesus and his grace is what's going to teach me to change and to do the right thing. It completely changes how you view people. Here, here's, here's, I'm going to put this on the screen because it's going to hurt you. It hurts me. You can't say grace is teaching me to do the right thing and then have no grace for those doing the wrong thing. Woo! 
Right? If you, want, if you were to sit in a classroom of grace, grace is teaching me to do the right thing. Not so people applaud me, right? Not, not for any of those reasons. No, grace is teaching me to do the right thing because that's what grace does. That's who God is. He's patient. He's a great teacher. And he's going to teach me to see people through his eyes. If he's teaching you to see people through his eyes, then you're not going to be graceless to those that are not in the classroom of grace. In fact, it makes sense. If somebody doesn't know Jesus and they're not, or they do know Jesus and they've never learned to sit in the classroom of grace, of course, of course, what are they left with? They're just left with their own try. We know that's never really worked, so we can't be surprised. So we got to be full of grace as we're letting grace teach us to do the upright things. Now, that word upright is a beautiful word. I want us to learn to love it. But it's really close to another word that can mask itself as upright, but it's not a God word, right? We want to be upright, not uptight, right? There's a difference, isn't there? Y'all with me, 9 a.m.? Upright, not uptight. We can get confused. When I was um, a student pastor, right, we, we, were, we were rocking and rolling. We would do our high school ministry on Sunday nights. And it was so different than it is today. Um, and we had one high school that was kind of close to the church. And we, we were just getting all kinds of kids, kids that were far from Jesus, right? And it was beautiful. So one Sunday night, we, we, would, we would do a game downstairs in the, in the church. And then we would go upstairs and do worship and a message and all these, all these high schoolers. Well, there was a meeting like two days later that I was called into. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew like it wasn't a normal meeting. It was some leaders of the church that, that needed to talk. Right? It's usually not good. Right? And, and, and you know, I'm like 23 years old, 24, like young, think I know everything. But they, they bring me this immediately. It's like, hey, we, we just wanted to make you aware of something we saw on Sunday night. We were driving by, we were dropping off, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, well, it, it was awesome. What, all these kids were there. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. We just want to make you aware there was some, I don't know if you knew, you probably didn't know, David, but uh, there, was, there was several kids out front smoking. When we, when we came through, I was like, and? That was what the meeting was about. There was kids smoking. And I was a jerk, right? I didn't respond with respectful to my elders like I should have, because I was like, isn't that where they're supposed to smoke? Would you prefer them smoke inside? Right? Because we have adults smoking every Sunday morning, and I've never been in a meeting about that. But, because, well, you know, they're teenagers. We're not even sure what they were smoking Okay, we're not sure what they were smoking. So did you, did you ask, you know, do you ask the adults that are smoking on Sunday mornings what they're smoking or is it only issue with a, listen, these kids don't know Jesus and this is what we prayed for. It's what you hired me for. This is what we celebrate. You want the, you want the end result, but you don't want the mess in between, right? This is, you don't, we're not the sin police, right? I love it that there's kids here and I love it that they were respectful enough to go outside and smoke instead of smoking in the bathroom or whatever. Like, this isn't a, a bad thing. This is now. I mean, good grief! If we're if they're doing, if they're if they're dealing, right? If 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 there there's other things going on, like there's a line, right? But that's not. That's that's why the world, and sometimes they they don't they don't see our uprightness as much as they see our uptightness. Sometimes we think the world's making fun of us because we're upright, and the reality is they're making fun of us because we're uptight. Not because we're upright. And you got to know the difference. Upright, when we're upright, it blesses people. It blesses our community. It blesses our culture. It blesses our dog park. Right? When we're upright. When we're uptight, it pushes people away from Jesus. 
right? When, when a young man, young woman is, 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 doesn't know Jesus and they're far from God, we're not going to start the conversation with smoking, right? We're going to start the conversation with grace, right? And let Jesus and his grace do what it does with all of us. It teaches us like it'll teach them. Man, you see that in Jesus, right? Upright. He was the most upright there ever was. Uptight. He couldn't have been. Because the, the worst of that society, the, the people, the, the traitors, you know, if you know what tax collectors were, and you, you were a traitor to your own people. The prostitutes, right? We understand that word even to, like the worst, the sinners, that's who he hung out with. And it seems like when you read the accounts, it seems like they enjoyed his company. There's no way he could have been uptight. And those people enjoy his company. And he enjoyed theirs without ever compromising. Upright, not uptight. Now there's another side of that. Right? I, we, we need to speak to this. This is important. Because we're, we're missionaries. If you're a Christian at Relentless Church, you're like, man, I'm not a missionary. You are. You're getting ready to be sent to your house, to your work, to your dorm. Like you represent, we are ambassadors for Christ. And it is a great ambassador who's upright but not uptight. So we gotta, we got to figure this out. The other side of that, though, is sometimes some of us, we're so worried about being uptight. Like that's your biggest fear in life. Is somebody who's not a Christian looking at you because you used to not be a Christian and now you, wanna, you want people to find the same grace you find and you're so worried about not being uptight that sometimes you'll choose to not be upright just so no one will ever accuse you of being uptight. And here's the hard part. If you live an upright, self-controlled, godly life, you can't avoid somebody calling you something. There's always going to be a part of society that, that doesn't understand and doesn't appreciate and even hates on those that are living, right? So you, you, can't, you can't take somebody who doesn't know Jesus, you can't make decisions based on what they're going to say about you because they can't tell the difference a lot of times between upright and uptight. We hope they can and upright draws people to him. That's still true. But a lot of times people in their lostness, they're going to call uprightness uptightness because they can't see the difference, but we can't. Right? We know the difference. Right? Uh, here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Um, he said, hey, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't say might be. <laughs> if you live upright, it's something about living to the standard of God and letting him teach you. Even if you do it kindly and humbly as we should, there's something about that that's always going to rub people wrong. And you'll get heat from it. And that's okay. That's why we're in this together. And that, that verse takes us to that last word, live a godly life. What does that mean? It's just a reverent awe. Right? We just prayed back here, um, man, that, that this service would bring glory to God. That's, that's a life, it's a life honoring this week. If God gives us this full week, October 9th till 16th when we meet again, that what, how I live, how I talk, how I treat, how I make decisions, how I spend my time, how I sleep, how I, everything in this week, that it could honor God. That's a godly life. It's a lifestyle. The, the vibe in Scripture is, man, live such good lives. You're going to get heat. You're going to get attacked. Somebody's going to say something about you no matter what. Live such godly lives that when they come at you, the people that know you will be like, that, that ain't him. 
Right? They'll look foolish for the attack because we're living such godly lives. Again, not to impress people, get off of that, not, not to be you know, self-righteous, no, 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 but because grace is teaching us. We're sitting in the classroom of grace, and if you, if the, if you do that, the result will be more self-control from the Spirit, not from you, more uprightness and more godliness. And that's what I, that's what I want to live. Right? There was a time in my life, and I'm, I'm not talking about seventh grade now. There was a time in my life as a pastor that I thought, man, self-controlled, upright, and godly. That's, man, we're missing out. Remember that series we did, FOMO, Fear of Missing Out? Man, that was deep in me. I thought, man, I'm going to do the right thing because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to, I'm, a, I'm the good kid. But in my heart, man, I'm missing out on the best stuff this world has to offer. And man, through other people's stories, through grace teaching me, through my own life, through regrets, like I am so all in on this life, not to, not to be above, not to be self-righteous, not to be haughty, not to be better than, but because I need His grace and it is such a beautiful teacher and I love living for the love and safety of our church, the love and safety of my wife, the love and safety for our family. I love that God loved us enough to not just save us but teach us and I've never had one regret from chasing from grace a self-controlled, upright, godly life. Maybe I'm just getting older. I don't think it's an age thing, though. I think it's a spiritual maturity thing. I'm getting more excited about those three words than I ever did when I was younger because there's so much behind the curtain that is beautiful when we allow, not, not effort, not trying harder, when we allow grace to teach us. Teach me to control myself, not from inside, but from you inside of me. Teach me. People in my life and in our church and in your neighborhood, people in, are going to be, if you're a parent, oh my goodness, you want self-control that you can do on your own? You want godly, supernatural self-control. You're going to have a chance today, forget this week, you have a chance today to do the right thing. I don't know what the scenario is. I don't know if it's dog park. Sometimes the most upright thing you can do is not say what's in your mouth. Right? So many, oh, but I, 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 people say it all the time. Oh, you know, I just say what I think. It's like, an, it's like, oh, it's, I'm a robot. I have no control. That's the point. How do you learn control? Well, the best teacher is grace. Let's, let's, uh, let's look at this acronym. We won't do actions for, for this part, but we're going to give you a little shug. All right? You down with that? Shug? I don't know what you think of. All kinds of things we might think of that it's a beautiful word. Shug, Shug Knight, I don't know. But S-U-G-E, it's gonna have, why, are we, why are we doing this silly stuff? Because we want you to take this into your life. Shug, what is that? It's just an acronym to help you remember this. S, self-control. This is what grace is going to teach you. It's going to teach you to be self-controlled. It's going to teach you to be upright. It's going to teach you to be godly. And then we added the E. It's an everyday thing. It's a lifestyle. Self-controlled, upright, godly, everyday. Like church. We're going to preach some other stuff. We got, we're going to close the series out next week, Baptism Sunday. Two weeks, we are pumped. It's embarrassing. Eight years into this church, we've never preached a series about theology, God's perspective on work, occupation, job. Some of you are like, I so need that. Some of you are like, I don't want to hear anything about that. Right? No, 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 no. Stay out of that. No, we're coming. 
we're coming. And it's not just me. We got other staff that's going to bring this because we've had all, you couldn't believe the jobs we've had in our lives as a staff, right? So super excited about that. But we could go from here to January 1, 2023 and just preach this. And it would change the world if we allowed grace to teach us every day Grace, teach me. Let me start with who I am. Let me start with I'm uh, adopted. My identity is in you. Who I am is completely wrapped up in whose I am. You have saved me. You don't, you don't, you've taken all. I'm free. I have nothing to hide from you. I have nothing to prove. I can just sit in the freedom I have in Christ. And now, grace, Jesus, that you have given me this and forgiven me this and wanted to and love me and know me and want more of me. Now, would you teach me? Let me sit under you, Jesus, and let, let your grace flow all over me and let it teach me to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And teach me to live self-controlled, not on my own, but on you and your power, self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Right, that's what we're doing in this small group. Right, it starts Tuesday. You can still sign up today if you want to jump in on this. We're going to come in this room, 6.30 to 7.50. Right, and we're going to talk about how grace every day can change our life. It's not a review. Right, It's, 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 it's for everybody and anybody. Um, by the way, um, if, you're, if you're, we're jumping from Ephesians to Galatians, we're back to Ephesians this week, Ephesians 4. If you're studying and doing your relentless homework, that's your chapter for the week. I get really excited about this shug, this self-controlled, upright, godly, every day. Not just individually, for me and for my kids, my wife, but for us collectively. Right? Think about that. We have a whole group of beautiful people. Some of you never like, interact with the 11 o'clock, and that's just part of you know, having two services, which we want to have and need to have. But man, they're a beautiful group. You're a beautiful group. But, it, but it, let's say they don't exist, right? Let's say Jesus comes back at 1045 this morning, and they never, this is, this is it, right? Just us, the collective of the 9 a.m. today, if we would allow grace to teach us this week, like there's so much possibility and opportunity. Don't, don't let this like kind of slide by. Okay, I get it. The it factor, grace. Like, no, 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 no. Let it teach you. You are in class. You are a student in a classroom of grace, and you're going to be taught. It's not just take a test and get through the class and get the grade. It is a lifelong class. And if you're in it, here's going to be what's going to happen. You're going to start to see more self-control, but it's not from self. It's from him. You're going to start to choose right and get all the beautiful fruit and blessing of choosing right. And your life's going to honor God. What if we really went after that this week? Like seriously, what if you went after that by God's strength, God's grace, God's power? This is a, you know, in, in school, we, uh, sometimes kids can test out of stuff, right? You take a class in high school that's really a college class. You get to college, you don't have to take the class. I already got that, so you can test out of stuff, right? Nobody tests out of this class. Nobody, I don't care how old you are, how long you've been around, how much of the Bible you memorized. Nobody, like, we're just going to sit in this class until we die or Jesus comes back. And the every day that we sit in it, not knowing it all, you know, not, not having pride, but humbling our heart, every day that we sit in it, the results are going to bless people because self-control, upright, godly lives bless people, bless communities, bless cities, bless countries, bless the world. And if we'll just agree to sit in this long after this series is over, It'll matter. You know, I was talking to a guy this week, 
And uh, this phrase came up, and it stuck with me. Um, actually, I can tell you who it is because you guys know him now. I'm talking to Dean Troon. So he, he, he was my coach. I think he always throw out his age, and I really have no idea. I think he's 72, but he, he spoke here during sabbatical, so some of you got to see, put a face with a name. Just a, um, like a spiritual father to me, incredible man. But, it, but he's, he talked about the value in being able to say in conversation, not in preaching, in conversation, yeah, I used to think that way, but now I don't. You know what? I used to do that, right? Because we all, like when God teaches you through grace, let's go back to, to the verse. When it teaches us to say no ungodly and worldly passions and to live these self-controlled, upright, godly lives, it's for you, it's for the blessing of people who love you, it's all that. But it's not only for you, it's always for others too. There's somebody who's in a different phase of the lesson of grace that's being taught what God taught you five years ago, five months ago, whatever. And, and it is so encouraging when you sit with another brother or another sister and they say, you know what, I used to think that, and now I don't. And it's not because I got smarter. It's because grace is changing me. You know, you're all fired up and you're about to get revenge or do what, and you know what? I used to do the same thing. And you know what? Sometimes I still do the same thing. But most of the time I don't because grace is teaching me. Right? If, if you think, uh, this is a church for all people. Church for all people. But if there's one kind of person that's going to struggle the most at Relentless, this is it. If you think, man, I am to the point or I'm close to the point where there's nothing in five years that I'm going to look back at 2022 and say, you know, I used to think that, and now I don't. I used to do that, and now I don't. Right? If you think you've already arrived or graduated, man, we're going to, we're going to offend you a lot because you're wrong. <laughs> you're never going to get there, and there's so much freedom in that. I, I am humbled to be your pastor. There, there are things, when we started this church eight years ago, that I thought, there's some things that I was confident about that now I say, you know what, I don't think that anymore. Why? Because grace is teaching me and changing me. And we don't get enough years, even if you live a good long life, you're not going to have enough years to get to a point where there's not so much that grace still is going to teach and change in you. And this is, this is where it's at. Right, so some of you, like you just, we talked about this last week, you just want it to be true, but you're just not sure. And sometimes what you hear is this event happened and Jesus rose from the dead, and it did happen. It's true. It's real. But it's just like some of you are thinking, man, if that's all, like it's a 2,000-year-old event and a, and a very old book, and this, what this dude is saying each week, like that's all I got to like commit my life to? Like, I don't know if I, that's not enough for me. That's such, oh, like, how do we know? How do we know? Here's how you know. You step towards God. You trust him. And as you trust him, he's going to change you. And you're going to have such a testimony. You're going to, man, this isn't accident. This isn't circumstance. This isn't random. This is so amazing. Grace didn't just save me. It's teaching me to be a different human. And it's so powerful because Yes, it builds upon what Jesus did. All that's connected, but it's your testimony. You know what's so easy? Here's what's so easy. Man, I made a decision for Jesus. I'm on cruise control. I'm going to live my life, and if God needs me, I hope he'll call me. 
right? There's no, and you're not changing. You're, there's nothing you can say that grace has taught and changed you that I think this way or do this different from two years ago, right? Because you're on autopilot, and that's who's going to struggle the most with the reality of God. Because when you're on autopilot, it's like, well, I don't really see much, right? He gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So we've got to humble ourselves before him. I, I, somebody explained this to me, a pastor friend of mine. I thought it was brilliant. Right? When we were born, you, you hear this phrase in Scripture of uh, if you're born again. When we were born, we surrendered to a process. Right? When we were in a womb, right? when we were all the stuff that happens that I don't need to explain, right? We, we surrendered to the process of birth, but it was involuntary surrender. Like, you were a part of the process, but you had no say as a baby. Like, it was happening, and you're the result of that process, involuntarily surrendering to the process of birth. God uses that as an illustration that we would understand of new birth, rebirth, new life, born again. The only difference is it's voluntary. Right? When you become a Christian, it is not believing in God. It is, I voluntarily surrender to the process of new birth, of new life. Right? So, so here's what we're going to do. And we're not turning the lights off or closing our eyes. Right? This is, this is, this, what, Jesus, this is about you and Jesus. We just want to give you opportunities as much as we can. And we're going to give several opportunities today to raise your hand for different things. So listen to what I'm saying. And, and why do we raise our hands? What verse tells us to raise our hands? And there is no, well, there's raise your hands in worship. There's nothing like this in Scripture. Why do we do this? Because there is in Scripture this, this need. When God's working in your heart, there's a need to physically respond. There's a need to act. There's a need to make a declaration that leads to life change. So we just do raise your hand. It's simple. If you've never, I don't care if you believe in God, if you've never surrendered control voluntarily of your life to the God who created you, if you've never surrendered control to this Jesus who died and raised again, and you want to do that today, right now in this moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand boldly and high. None of this, not enough for Jesus. We went to a cross, right? If we're going to put it up there, let's put it up there. Next. If you already surrendered, already believe, already trust, but this baptism thing is like, I don't know, like I was taught something different. Let me just tell you, we can look at it together from Scripture. When you're all in on Jesus, that's your next move, right? So we can talk to you more about that. But if you're interested in baptism, next week, Baptism Sunday, then you can raise your hand right now, good, high, and beautiful. You know who you are. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart, but you do. And then third, this is, this, is, this is a big one. Don't, don't raise your hand lightly. If you'd say yes to this verse, verses, meaning, I want, maybe you've been slacking, maybe you've been on it, and beautiful. If you want grace to be your teacher, this is not something, you're not raising your hand to me, you're raising your hand to God. God, I want you to teach me by your grace. I want to live the self-controlled, upright godly life i want to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions i want grace to teach me to live that life if you would make that commitment to god then you raise your hand big and high would you stand up let me pray that over you as we read this for the grace of god has appeared that offers salvation to all people it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live, to say yes to a life that is marked by self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age. Father, would you, maybe more than, than any message we've preached in a while, would, would you let this message flourish when we leave? God, would we be excited about self-right, uh, not self-righteous, please no, self-controlled, upright, godly lies, and how that's going to bless people in our family, in our workspace. It's going to bless people that don't know you. It's going to change lives, change Raleigh, change North Carolina. Like, would you just give us a little glimpse of how beautiful and how much we do want this life and how much we can't get there on our own? Would you let grace be Relentless Church teacher once and for all? Would you let us sit in your grace and ask it to teach us God? There's a bunch of hands that went up a second ago. You know how powerful that is. Help us never forget who our teacher is. God, you are working in our church. We thank you for it. We pray that we would live this out by your strength, not by our own. And we pray now and go now in Jesus' name. Amen. See you all next week.